Chapter 13, The Tree of Death. This chapter brings us back to the other choice given in the garden called the Tree of Death or the Tree of the, the Knowledge of Good and Evil. The one that sold Eve and Adam the great lie, the immortal soul lie, that is, which was literally the embodiment of death. Partaking of or joining with this adversarial tree may have involved eating literal fruit also, but choosing to embrace that creature's way of living was the real issue. Again, it was a behavioral choice, a life choice incorporating a mix of good and evil or selfish behavior. But rarely ever pointed out by the clergy and teachers is that with the foolish choice came the implanting of a seed, that is, an attitude. This attitude was one of pride, greed, selfishness, and controlling power. Unfortunately, this spirit was not an empowering of good leading to immortality, the one leading to unhappiness, strife, and ultimate death. Eve was obviously coerced into literally embracing the dragon or the reptile as her personal god and instructor. No doubt that creature covered with every jewel imaginable, imaginable uh, we see that in Ezekiel 28, made deceiving Eve as easy as taking candy from a baby. That foolish choice allowed the Creator's adversary or adversaries to dictate to an ancient humanity what to believe and how to live. Honestly, it seems absolutely absurd to conclude that Adam and Eve would freely choose a way of life that led to death when they had immortality, happiness, peace, and every good thing freely within their grasp. How could this have possibly happened? Again, we are obviously missing a major but key piece of understanding that has not been or is not being taught. Actually, what's missing becomes quite clear when we hear the lie that was sold our ancestral couple by the creature embodying the metaphorical designation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, that immortal lie, as I classified, sold them, has been taught as truth ever since. The lie was Adam and Eve already had immortality or possessed an immortal soul. Because of that immortal lie, the concept of death was no longer a reality to them, and therefore not a deterrent to their foolish choice. Let's take a look at that lie the creature sold them in Genesis 3-4. It says there, And the serpent, more properly trans uh, rendered reptile, said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for Elohim, or the gods, know that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and it shall be like the Elohim, that is the gods, who are immortal, knowing good and evil. Did you catch the word knowing, good and evil? The Hebrew word for knowing, or to know, is yada. Yada actually means to experience, carrying the implication of intimacy. We see the term know, or knew, used in many scriptures, where a man and woman had sexual intercourse with each other. Knowing good and evil literally means to understand through personal intimate experience, like a child knowing what hot means after touching the hot stove. Actually, when the reptilian creature in the Garden of Eden uh, said, you shall not surely die, it was feeding them the lie that sparked all the modern teachings of the immortal soul, which is the only teaching all the modern religions agree upon. How can we honestly believe it's only a curious coincidence that virtually all the religions of the world who agree on virtually nothing else teach that same immortal soul lie? We know by the Messiah's words in John 8, verses 44 and 45, that the God of this world to whom all the religions belong is a liar. 
for all the world's religions, which all disagree and, and or hate each other, to agree on anything speaks volumes as to the source, which of course would be the liar. Sadly, that immortal lie is a very efficient method for our and Yahweh's adversaries to continue conning humanity into accepting and embracing death. Apparently, there are many in that realm who simply want us dead. Unbeknownst to most is the Bible's teaching of death literally means dead. It is not a translation from one life or a transition from one life form to another as the world's religions teach. Again, such a belief is simply the result of the con job perpetrated by the adversarial transdimensional puppet masters. Unfortunately, this lie has been an incredibly effective method to ensure humanity continues to embrace death versus accepting the immortality the creators anciently offered and again is offering. It seems the ultimate goal of the evil adversaries is nothing short of enslavement and or extermination of humanity because that is we're the potential children of the creators. If humanity can be kept from understanding they actually have a choice between life and death, as the Creator informed his people in Deuteronomy, then death becomes humanity's default choice. But if in all honesty death only means graduating from one state of existence to another, why would the Bible or the, Tor the Torah forbid it? And why would anyone have a problem with dying anyway if it only means moving up the ladder of existence? If the immortal soul is not a lie, wouldn't we be doing a person a favor, especially someone in impoverished or diseased circumstances, by killing them and sending them to him or her to heaven? Obviously, this is an oxymoron with no logical answer unless the immortal soul is, well, just that, a lie. When Adam and Eve chose to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were literally choosing a life mix of both trees. Unfortunately, that mix is a lethal combination. Ironically, that mix continues to be humanity's choice ever since. The consequence is the world's promotion of, of death, primarily by religion, believe it or not. It's like the white elephant in the room that no one's willing to discuss or even admit. They pretend everyone's literal dying isn't really happening. In this regard, every one of the world's religions, without exception, has failed to save its people from suffering and death. Yet people continue to place their undying, uh, pun intended, faith in the hands of these pagan religions anyway and continue to die like flies. Honestly, this world's perspective of death, uh, being life, boils down to, to being a matter of either insanity or desperation. Anyway, getting back to Adam and Eve, we see the creators loved them so much they allowed them their own destructive choice even though it was not the one they wished for them. A choice that resulted in much hardship, suffering, and death, which they no doubt suffered right along with them. Again, the term we would use today for the creator's position was tough love. All the suffering, misery, and death in our world ever since is in one way or another connected to that foolish choice. Without a doubt, the poor choices by our ancestors or parents, also resulted in generations of suffering for their own children and grandchildren. Moving on with this subject, an additional consequences of Adam and Eve's poor choice was the rendering of access to the tree of life being off-limits, that is, immortality. We, we see it in Genesis 3, verse 22. It says there, then, the gods, or the Elohim, said, Behold, man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. That's the end of that thought. And we'll 
Jump to the next verse, 24. So he, that Yahweh, drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every which way to guard and blocked the way to the Tree of Life. Of course, again, the Tree of Life is Hokmah. As that scripture reveals, access to immortality was barred from humanity once Adam and Eve made the choice to live that life mix of good and evil. Unfortunately, most religions would have us believe regaining access to that tree of immortality after being cut off is as simple as picking up and reading the Bible and or accepting Jesus. It's like having a son who chooses a life of promiscuity and drug addiction, thinking he can pop back home to live and expect everything to be just fine in spite of his behavior. The real truth is, in order for us and our son to have a relationship again, our son has to show good faith by proving he has cleared up his act. At the very least, he must show a pattern of behavior that makes it clear he's committed to straightening up his life. Only then can we presume to have a meaningful relationship. What that means in the big picture is we must choose to reject the dragon and her spirit of death or pride and embrace the true creators and their spirit of life, which, of course, is humility. <laughs>